through this. And we want to go ahead. This is our second week. Last week we started talking about open. And this is being our grand opening month. But it just made sense to have this series called Open. Because honestly, the only way you and I really are able to connect with God and really get anything out of our relationship with God is when we open up. And that's the only way it, it, it happens. And last week we talked about open ears. And you'd be able to uh, um, hopefully get a hold of that on our website. And uh, maybe not. And we had some technical difficulties last week. Anyways, but uh, we, uh, this week you'd be able to get, uh, to get today's message. We're just talking about open hearts. And open hearts. Because <clears throat> one the thing, once we understand that once we've opened our ears to the truth, then we must choose to open our hearts to it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to embrace the truth, to really allow it to get in on the inside of us. We have to be ready to open our hearts. It starts with opening your ears and just being willing to listen and saying, God, I'm just curious as what you've got to say on this. You know, and some of you, some of you may have shown up and said, you know, I'm just, I'm really not that into church. I'm really not that into God, but this is maybe a little different in a movie theater and I'll show up. You know what? That is totally fine. God will meet you right where you are at. If you are just curious, it starts with that, of just being willing to open your ears. Say, God, I'm just, I'm going to just listen to you. I'm just going to see what you've got to say on the subjects that pertain to my life. But then once you move from there, the next step is to actually opening your heart to it. And with that, you've also got to make a choice. You have to choose to do that. Some things in life we don't have a choice about. Some things just begin to happen. But with the truth of the Word of God, we have a choice. Now, see, I'd already talked to you about my mom, who is a phenomenal grandmother. I mean, just phenomenal. And she's a great mother. She was just an awesome mom. And uh, still mothers me to, to this day. She was helping me yesterday, even though she lived in Odessa, and getting ready for today, doing some things for me from a distance. She's just an awesome mom. And, uh, but I think one of the things is why, why parents end up being so good at being grandparents is because they learn from their mistakes. You know, as kids, we were kind of the trial run. We were kind of like the beta test, you know. And then they go through it, and then they kind of figure out some things, and then they're a little better on the, uh, with the grandkids. And so I'm hoping that uh, we've got five kids, and uh, I'm going to have a mess of grandkids. I'm going to have a bunch of them. And, uh, and so I'm hoping that, that I'm going to be a, even a better grandparent than we have been as parents. And, uh, but one of the things as we were, when I was a kid, my mom again, she's caring and, and uh, wants, always was trying for us all the time. Well, when I was in the sixth grade, now this was 1985, you know, our Open Your Heart to Me, Madonna song, that was written in 1985. Number one hit single in 1986, in case you were curious. And, uh, but it was, uh, uh, it was 1985 and I was in the sixth grade. And I live, grew up in Odessa, and in sixth grade there is the last year of elementary. And then you shift into junior high, into the seventh grade. Well, of course, that's one of those pivotal years. You know, you st go from being just this cute little boy that you start wanting to, to become like a young man. And I had had the same haircut all my life. My hair is bored straight. I mean, it's bored straight. I am going to milk this stick-up hair thing. As long as I can. I must be so sad 
when it's not okay to have hair sticking up anymore because I, it has to get really long for it to do anything else. And my wife doesn't like long hair on me, so uh, I'm just going to have to milk this as long as it can. So I had uh, uh, my hair was was longer, and she, my mom kept it long and long bangs, bangs, and I had kind of this Buster Brown is what she called it, this Buster Brown haircut, just almost like a chili bowl. And it's cute when you're five, you know. That's cute when you're five, and it's okay when you're eight, you know. But when you're in the sixth grade, you know, and you're starting to kind of have your first little boy-girl parties and all that kind of stuff, you start wanting something a little more sophisticated. And I don't know if y'all remember the show Chips. Y'all remember the show Chips? And, uh, you know, you've got those guys. I wanted Chips hair. I wanted that kind of hair. It's the hair that parted right down the middle. You use no products on it whatsoever. You just did this comb down the middle, and it just fell and had this kind of Farrah Fawcett bangs look, all feathery. And uh, but it was the guy version of it, and it just it just looked so awesome. And there were guys that would they'd carry the the brushes, those goodie brushes. I don't know if you remember that. They carry those goodie brushes in their back pocket, and they'd do their hair. And uh, it just looks cooler to do this than this. That's what I had to do. I had to just brush it forward like that. You just, you just can't like strike the pot. You got to do that. It's got to go back. And uh, so my mom, was, my mom was having some compassion for me. She wanted to help me. My hair was so straight. So uh, I was minding my own business. There was this game that I don't know if you've heard of. It was called Speedball. And it was kind of this mixture of soccer and rugby and stuff. Anyways, you could kick it. You could walk a couple steps and throw it. Anyways, my elementary school had a speedball team, and I was on the speedball. Uh, yeah, for those of y'all that know that I'm not athletic, that's just funny in and of itself. And, uh, but I was on the speedball team. And uh, anyways, my mom comes, and I see her pull up next to the field. She gets out, goes over, talks to the coach. Coach whistles me over. I come over, says, you need to go with your mom. I go and get my, it's the middle of practice. And I'm like, man, what is going on here? You know, what, what kind of tragedy could be taking place that I've got to be yanked out of the middle of speedball practice to, to come and, and go do this thing? So I, I get in the car and I'm like, mom, what's going on? She goes, we're just going to go, we're going to the house. She wouldn't tell me what she's going to do. She thought I'd probably jump out and run away. And uh, so we get to, get to the house, and then she lays it on me. Then she's going to give me a perm. <laughs> now, her plan on this perm was just to give me some body. I don't know what that means. I think it's a made-up thing to sell more shampoo. Gives you body. I don't think hair really has body. But my mom was going to give me a perm to give my hair some body. Just kind of break it so it would do something than just the straight, Thing that it does and man I did not want anything to do with this but my I was respectful to my mama and I sat there and see this is the funny part she decided the only place because I needed to do the chips thing I need to do the Eric Estrada thing man and uh and so I, she decided to give me a perm just on the top of my head not on the sides not on the back just on the top of my head now you have to understand at that time Partial perms were cool, but it's on the back of the head. You kind of had the mullet thing, and then you pull it, and then it kind of kinked up. And you had just curls on the back and the feathery bangs up front. And, uh, and so, but she decided we're going to reverse this thing and put the perm just on the top of my head. And she didn't want it to be all kinky curly, so she got these ginormous rods. I mean, the biggest rods you could get. They were just huge. And rolls my hair in these rods puts that stinky, nasty-smelling solution on my head, 
and then decides that, you know, we don't want it to go too much. So it's said to go so many minutes, she cut it in half, then rinsed it out of my hair. And uh, we're like, okay. So she rinses it out. When it's done, I don't know, my hair had been deprived of some chemical or something because it just like, it just sucked up that solution. And I had just these big old ringlets, tight, hard ringlets on the top of my head and everything else just whoosh, just straight. So here I am, I'm 12 years old, and I look like the youngest person with a bad toupee on the planet. I've just got this sad mess sitting on the top of my head. And so my mom takes me to her expensive hairdresser, and she's, my mom just apologizes, Brandon, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, i got to go to school. Sixth grade is tough. They're all bullies. I'm already a little nerdy, Mom. I don't need this. I'm not tough. I'm not a fighter. And, uh, and so it was not going to be a good thing. And so I, I get this haircut, and, and it was humiliating because my, oh, my sisters would line up in the mornings and have their turns with my mom doing the curling iron, and I have to take my turn with my mom doing the curling iron in my hair. I got a forehead burn. You women are brave. You do that curling iron thing. I can't, I just, I can't imagine why y'all aren't just all scarred up all over your foreheads. And so that stuff hurts. And so I, we had this. And so my mom decided she was going to make this right. That she was going to make it okay. And man, it's 1985. Miami Vice is cool. You got Don Johnson wearing the linen jackets and the, the t-shirts and the linen pants. And she takes me down to Bell's. And to... <laughs> to go and get me some Miami Vice clothes so that I'll look good with my new hair. And so we, she doesn't get me the cool Don Johnson t-shirt to go under it. She decides we're going to like kick it up a notch and she gets me this, this kind of Hawaiian looking floral shirt to go under it. I've got the jacket, the linen jacket. You push the sleeves up and the pants. And uh, so I... I, I <laughs> You know, if they'd have had extreme makeover back then, they'd have thought I was a candidate that, like, went bad. It's like, something happened to this one. And, uh, and so I, I show up, and instead of looking like Don Johnson, then with my loud shirt and my curly hair, I look more like Herb from WKRP. And it's just, it was just, it was just sad. It was just sad. And uh, it took a long time for that perm to grow out. And... Uh, but that was one of those things I didn't have a choice. My mom grabbed me and decided there was going to, that some transformation needed to take place in my life. That it was time for me to shift from, from being just a little boy and shift my look into being a young man. And, and I didn't have a choice in the process. See, in our growth pattern with God, God does not do that with us. As much as we wish He would. Say, God, just change me. God, just fix me. God, just do this. God doesn't yank us out of the speedball practice of life and give us the perms he thinks he need, we need and do those things. No, we have a choice. We have to choose to open our hearts. We have to choose to say, God, God, I sense you wanting to do something in my life. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, I've gone through this cycle over and over and over again. And as we begin to pray and cry out to God and say, God, help me out of this, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to see the choices that have been keeping you in that cycle more clearly. But you, when it's all said and done, you're going to have to make the decision to choose to allow 
God's truth to become your truth, your guiding principles in your life. You begin to open your heart to what God has for you. See, Matthew 5.8 tells us, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I love the way the message translation writes this out. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You know, some people say, you know, man, it's, you know, Christians seem to see God everywhere. And these people who are away from God say, I just can't see God at work at all. It's because once, our, once we begin to allow God to, to take that step of faith and allow God to shift us on the inside, then we begin to see how He works. And all of a sudden, so much more life, we begin to see God at work in those things. Things where we thought God wasn't there, we begin to see Him in action. Things that we thought where God was absent or, or AWOL on that subject, we see God was really at work all along. But we have to open our hearts to God's truth. You and I have to do it. And see, we naturally, I think there's something in us that just cries out for that. We see that from, from the psalmist in Psalm 51.10. We just, this, just, this guttural heart cry saying, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, create in me just this raw, honest expression that's one thing I love about Psalms. Is Psalms are so, there. There's so much just honesty there. I love it when they, when you read and you you see David going, God, where are you? I thought you loved Israel. I thought you loved us. What's going on? And he expresses himself. You know what? God's shoulders are big enough to handle your frustrations. You know what? You can be honest in your prayer. It doesn't have to just paint this. I'm not saying irreverent. I'm saying honest. You say, God, this is what's going on. I'm frustrated over this. I don't understand this. God, what's happening on this front? And that's when we, we be, things begin to shift. Because see, the truth of the matter is, is that the most effective communication is heart-to-heart -heart communication. That's why we have to open our hearts if we're just doing some sort of lip service, just some sort of just going through the motions, it doesn't get the job done. That's what is so awesome about Christianity. It is God wanting to have a real relationship with humanity. This heart-to-heart -heart connection. Not just a list of rules and do's and don'ts and jump through these hoops and all this kind of stuff to try to please Him. If we could do that, there would have been no need for Jesus. But because you and I can't walk that perfect we haven't walked that perfect that god sent christ to be able to fill that gap and then by faith we we take his righteousness we take him doing it right and make it our own say so he did it right on my half he was my he was my pitch hitter he he went to bat for me he did it on my stead because he heart to heart we have to be real we have to be honest with god we have to open our hearts, because anytime we start to kind of scale things back, anytime we start to, to kind of protect ourselves and not want to be embarrassed, because you know what? A lot of the things we really need to talk to God about are some of the things we're embarrassed 
to talk to God about. But we, have, we can't just talk in code or, or talk around. We have to be willing to open our hearts to God. I love the story of this lady that decided that she was going to take this vacation in Florida. This was years and years ago before email and before uh, all of this stuff. And so she was corresponding with this campground. She was going to go to this campground in Florida. And she was corresponding with this campground wanting to know about its facilities. Now she was up from the Northeast, from the New England area, and was raised by her mama as a, to have very polite conversation. So as she is writing this letter to find out how this campground operated and what all it had, well, she's, she's writing and she wants to know about the bathroom facilities. She's wanting to know what's provided. And specifically, she's wanting to know about the toilets at this place. But that is just such an embarrassing word for her to write in a letter, toilet. And she just couldn't write the word toilet. It just seemed so improper and she just couldn't bring herself to write toilet. So then she decided she was thinking of a different word. So she decided she was going to call it the bathroom commode. Sounds a little more proper, doesn't it? Bathroom commode. And uh, so she decided she was going to write that. And then she goes to write that. And she can't even get that down. It's just still, it's just too embarrassing to write that. So she decides to shorten it to BC. No jokes. And uh, I'm Brandon Clark. <laughs> so she decides to, to shorten it to BC. And uh, so she writes in there and asks the question. And wants to know if the campground has its own BC. Well, the guy that at the campground gets this inquisition and, and here it is in code. He doesn't know what a BC is. He's just a guy that, you know, just a regular old guy that runs a campground, doesn't have the, all of the sensitivities that this lady has, and he doesn't know what a BC is. So he begins to talk to some people around and try to find out what is this BC? So he talks to this person and talks to that person, and finally they decide that it means Baptist Church. They decide that she's asking if the campground has its own Baptist Church. So I'm just going to read you his response. All right. His response is, Dear Madam, I regret, the, <clears throat> with very, I very much regret the delay in answering your letter. But I, no, I now take pleasure in informing you that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite <laughs> and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. <laughs> I admit it's quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly. <laughs> but you... But you... <laughs> But no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunch along and make a day of it. <laughs> they usually arrive early and stay late. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago. And it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you know that right now there is a supper plan to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC so everyone can watch and talk about this great event. <laughs> I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly. <laughs> But it is surely not for lack of desire on my part. 
as we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort. <laughs> Particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you for the first time and sit with you and introduce you to the other folks. This is really a very friendly community. I don't think that's what she was expecting in her reply, and I'd be really curious to know if she decided to go ahead and book. See, each time you and I decide that we're going to have this, this veil, we're going to talk through code, we're not going to be open and honest, then at that point it leaves too much to be misinterpreted. It leaves too much to, to not, the communication to not flow honestly. See, in our relationships with each other, we have to be open and honest. You know, we can't think, well, I said it this way and they should just know what I meant. You know what? They may be thinking something totally different and their response to you when it's all said and done was near as offensive <laughs> as it seemed like it was because their perspective is coming from a different thing. That's why we have to be open and honest. And to do that, it requires an atmosphere of love and acceptance. It requires an atmosphere of love and acceptance for you and I to be bold enough to be honest and open with each other. See, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13 says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my own children. Open wide your hearts also. See, just for one side to open its heart isn't enough. The other side has to open as well. The reason we picked this Madonna song, Open Your Heart to Me, is because lyrically, it just so expresses the heart of God. God desires us to open our heart. God has opened himself up. He has, he has done everything that he can do to connect with us other than make the choice for us. We have to make that decision. We have to open our hearts to God and connect with him. And see, so many people don't want to because then there's this whole scary thing. This, the big question is, if I dare to open my heart to God, what is he going to do to me? If I say, God, I'm going to take you serious. He's going to send me across the world. I'm going to have to sell everything I own and go be some missionary in Guatemala. Am I going to have to go somewhere and, and, and give all my money away and, and live in a monastery and be dirt poor all my life? Am, am I going to have to be a doormat and let everybody treat me bad? Am I going to ha what's going to happen to me? What's God going to require me if I really open my heart to Him? And see, the truth is, is all God wants to do is fill us with what you and I should have been filled with the whole time. So you and I weren't created to be apart from God. This was not plan A. Sin came in and messed it all up. God's desire it was for us to be with Him. And He wants to fill us up. He wants to fill us up with love and with joy and with Himself. And I'm not just a preacher making it up. We're going to look at the scriptures that say so. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He wants to pour his love into our hearts. And yes, as that comes in, it's going to flush some other stuff out. It's going to. 
It's going to happen. There's going to be some resentment. There's going to be some hurt. There's going to be some frustration. You may look up and there may be somebody you enjoy being mad at right now. And you look up a few years later and the love of God has pushed that out. And you're not enjoying it and you're actually not even mad at them anymore. You're able to think of that person. Not that you gave them the right to hurt you again or whatnot. But you're able to think about them and not just go into a tizzy. God's love begins to change us. And that's what he wants to pour into our hearts. Acts 14, 17 says, Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. I'm telling you, we as believers, we ought to be the happiest people on the face of the planet. We have a relationship with God. You know what? I don't care how bad and ugly it gets here. We win in the end. Let's say that it just, everything goes, goes a mess. It's, we still win. This morning I was, they, they banned me from touching any of this equipment up here. Because if somebody had to run and get this amp, I'm so grateful that we have a borrowed amp. Because I decided that I was going to be helpful and I touched something I should not have touched and fried our amp this morning. Just, just, I mean, just 30, 40 minutes before y'all got here. There was a nice little puff of smoke. I mean, the whole thing. It was, it was incredible. And you know what? It was so awesome to see that just, there were so many just expressed just, just the joy, just laugh. As I'm running down there to grab another thing, I just caught myself just busting up laughing. I'm like, God, this has to be you. There's no reason for me to be laughing at this. We, these, our singers won't be able to hear themselves. We won't, they won't know if they're together. But you know what? Who cares? We've got, we've got God when it's all said and done. This is over. We've still got a relationship with God. He still loves us. He still wants to carry us forward. It is so awesome. He fills our lives with joy. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He wants to fill us with himself. <sighs> See, the thing is, is God's not this distant God just saying, oh, you gotta, you got to clean all of this stuff up. No, the thing is, is what he's saying is, these things, gonna, these things are going to go because I want to come in. I want to come in and live in there. I want to be a part of you. I want to be there. And so there's going to be this transformation process. But guess what? It doesn't all have to happen overnight. When, uh, when we, uh, the houses that I've drugged my wife into and... Uh, she uh, has lived in, uh, up until recently, has lived in fixer-uppers. And uh, we would go in and renovate a room. And just so we could have some place that just looked like we wanted it to. And the rest of the house is just a shambles. But we could just go hide in that one room. And then as we live there, shift it. You know what? God operates that way. God comes in whatever room we'll give him. He comes in and he abides there. And that part, he ran, and then he begins to slowly renovate as we begin to open another door in our heart and another door in our heart and another door in our heart. He's not this God that says, Ooh, it's all got to be perfect and pristine and I'm going to give it a good inspection before I move in and live there. Uh-uh. God will, lives and works in progress. I'm thankful because I'm one of them. God is so awesome. See, as God is changing us from the inside out, the only surgery he does is open heart surgery. The only time he shifts things 
is with open heart surgery. We have to open our hearts. Romans 12.2 says, Don't become so adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Focus on Him. You'll be changed from the inside out and readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of, of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. From the message translation. See, God shifts us from the inside out. It's not about outward stuff trying to shift the inside. I'm going to say this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to act this way and jump through these hoops so I'll be better on the inside. Uh-uh. It's God coming in on the inside and shifting, taking us to the out. So you and I must open up and allow Him to work in our lives. You and I have to open our hearts. And I don't care if you've been walking with God for 30 years or you just decided to just begin to listen to God and open your heart to Him a little bit. The, the only way you and I grow at all is by opening up more and more and more. And somebody that's had to let God do a whole lot in their lives has opened up a lot. But God will start with whatever you do. Just, you just give Him a crack and He'll appreciate that and meet you there. God is so, he so loves us. He's fully vented any of his anger on Christ. And we now, through Jesus, have open access to God as our Father. God just wants us to open our hearts to him. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's, I don't know where your relationship with God is. I don't know if you have one. So right quick, I'd appreciate it if everybody would just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to just record, create in this theater a place of intimacy with God. We're going to create a place of honesty with God. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you haven't received Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to begin because that's where it starts. It starts with Jesus. He's the beginning.